With Father's Day coming up in a few weeks, I'd like to start out by honoring fathers in general and honoring my own dad who recently passed away. Like many dads, my dad was good at telling those proverbial dad jokes. Let me start out with a few of those good dad jokes. The rotation of the earth really makes my day. Did you hear about the guy who invented Lifesavers? They say he made a mint. I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon. I'll let you know. And lastly, I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. It's just impossible to put down. More importantly than any of these dad jokes are the important things that our dads have taught us or modeled for us that have stuck with us for the rest of our lives. In my own life, my dad demonstrated a very strong work ethic, and I've been very blessed to follow his example in that part of my life. In our sermon series that we're continuing here on Kingdom Living, We've been learning from Jesus about his dad, about our Heavenly Father, and what it's like to follow him and follow his ways. As we now wrap up this sermon series this week, let's take a moment and reflect on those things we've learned over these past months about our Heavenly Father, about his ways, and how we put them into practice in our lives. That's what today's message is going to be about. As we come to the close of this sermon series, we're now at the last set of verses in the last section where Jesus is providing an overview of all that he's been teaching. Jesus started out that last section sharing with us how we are to enter through the narrow gate and it's the road that leads to life, and sadly only a few find it. He then warned us about the importance of bearing good fruit. He taught us how to be able to look for it in our own lives and also look for it in the lives of others. He explained to us the source of our good fruit or any fruit in our lives comes from our hearts. And when our hearts are right with him and when it please our Heavenly Father, we do his will and follow his ways. And we bear that good fruit. And then Jesus ends with our story that we're going to look at today about two people who live their lives differently. It's the story of the choices that they made throughout their lives, the results of those choices that they made, coupled with the habits that went with them. So this is the story we're going to look at today. It's a story that shows us how our day-in and day-out choices, coupled with our habits, are what make us who we are. We will see in this story the desire that Jesus has for us to make daily choices and have habits that result in us being people who are close to our Heavenly Father and resemble Him in the things that we do so that we can withstand whatever this life may throw out of us in terms of its challenges and its heartaches. How appropriate it is for us to look at this in the days we're currently facing right now, the challenges we face. How many of us really want to, under these conditions, want to be able to thrive rather than just survive? These last few days, I get quite a few messages, text messages asking me if I'm hanging in there with all I'm going through with me and my family and the recent loss of my father. How many of us want to be able to not just hang in there during these times, but rather be a source of strength and support for others? As we take to heart the teachings of Jesus that we're going to look at today, we're going to be able to do so. Today we'll learn how Jesus told us to build on a foundation in our lives that serves as a solid underpinning of our faith that not only supports ourselves, but can support those in our lives. It will enable us to withstand the hardest of events the most challenging of circumstances that we're going to experience. It will enable us to stand firm and be a source of encouragement and example for those in our lives. Let's read together what Jesus has to say in this story and look more deeply at it. So please turn with me in your Bible or your Bible app to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, starting in verse 24, and we'll read together to the end of the chapter in verse 29. Starting in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, 
The streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it, it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. So let's delve into this passage together. Our passage is one of comparisons. The first comparison is the two people in the story that Jesus told, and the second comparison is the one, the teaching of Jesus and the teaching of the teachers of the law. We'll look at each of these comparisons in more detail. The first comparison is about two houses that were built that Jesus described in verses 24 through 27. It's a comparison not just of two houses that are being built, but of the two people who built those houses. And it represents their lives and their daily choices and habits that they had. It tells what happened to those houses when they experienced some of the harshest elements that nature had to bear. And it also metaphorically helps us understand what happened to those people and their lives when they faced all kinds of hard challenges. But when we look at these two people at the beginning, they actually seem quite similar. They each heard the teachings of Jesus. Jesus referred to each of them as everyone who hears these words of mine. That is, they heard the entirety of his Sermon on the Mount teaching. They each understood the need that they had for a house. They each chose a foundation on which to build their house. They each built their house on type of their selected foundation. They continued to invest in that house over the course of their lives through the things that they did to it. They each expected their house to be able to withstand the harshest of conditions to which it would be exposed. They both rested in the security of the houses that they had built. The difference was the foundation on which they built those respective houses, one on rock, the other on sand. And the other difference we see is how those houses really weathered the storms. So it's going to be important for us to understand these storms. So let's, let's look at that a little bit. What did Jesus mean when he said the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against those houses? Rain, flood, winds. These are three metaphorical descriptions of the various types of severe testing that each house will experience. In the area of Palestine, where Jesus was teaching, there were low valleys and gullies that had been exposed by water and rain from storms. During heavy rainfall, these would become swollen rivers that would often wipe away everything in their paths. This was something that which the, any of the hearers of his story would be quite familiar. It's kind of like in our country here, mentioning to someone who lives in Florida about hurricanes or mentioning to someone who lives in California about earthquakes. Many of us know Florida has sustained the most number of earthquakes, sorry, the most number of hurricanes in recorded history, far more than any other state. In California, the most number of damaging earthquakes in the United States. People in these states are very familiar with these things since they've often experienced them during their time living there. So just a few months earlier this year, extreme weather conditions hit the area of Palestine that Jesus was talking about. It included heavy rains, wind, and low temperature waves. The heavy rain there generated floods in several parts of the area that thousands of people were affected and many families were being evacuated from their homes, even in this day and age. The extreme weather conditions there even resulted in several people dying. People living in the area close to those streams often were affected by the heavy rain that came with the strong winds. So people understood what Jesus was talking about when he meant about these torrential storms. So rain here refers to kind of a heavy shower, a violent rainstorm. Streams here refers to a strong river, and some translations even call it a torrent. And the winds here refer to that violent agitation of a stream of air, a very strong and tempestuous wind, very similar to the ones that we've experienced this week. The same kind of strong winds, ironically, that Matthew described later in Matthew 14, where he talked about where the, the disciples were off in a boat with Jesus, and they were quite a distance from land, 
and the waves and the wind were against that boat, and they couldn't get back to sea, back to land. And actually, Jesus came out to them and walked on the water. So having the rains and the streams and the winds all together, we would call it almost a tempest, the severe storm, a real destructive force of nature. When, these, when this tempest hit these respective homes, that's where those similarities that we looked at earlier ended. Each of these houses has a different result. Jesus said of the house built on the foundation of rock, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation of rock. The falling here that Jesus is talking about is this sense where something is going to fall down or fall into ruin. It's neither damaged nor destroyed, but it actually held firm. Jesus, again, was using a metaphor for our lives. When we start following Jesus' teaching, put it into practice in our daily lives, and establish those habits, when we face these trials in life, we will not fall just like a house, but we're going to stand firm. We will find our refuge in him and actually be able to serve as a refuge for others. In fact, when you see people's houses, for example, in our house, we have a generator. And so what happened is if somebody's house is out of electricity, they're going to come to my house because I have power. So we can be that kind of person. Jesus said that the house built on the sand, unfortunately, fell with a great crash. The falling here that Jesus is describing is a sense where something is it's not just damages, but falls down altogether, falling in on itself, such that it can never be rebuilt and needs to be replaced. And then the great, when he talks about this great crash, that in, the adjective that he inserted is actually the word that we use for mega. It just describes something that's kind of in the most widest sense of a form. It was just a crash that had from these violent, mighty, strong events. And ironically, we might even think of this, this whole idea of a great crash or great conflict. This was actually prophesied about Jesus at the beginning of his life. In Luke chapter 2, verse 34, there was a prophet named Simeon who came up to Mary who had Jesus in her arms, and he described Jesus as the one destined to cause falling of many and rising of many. So this falling that was mentioned here is the same sense of falling that Jesus is going to use with these houses. Jesus, again, is going to use a metaphor for the house of our lives and how when we do not hear his voice or we don't put the things into practice, we too, when we face trials, are going to crash like that house in the sand. We will bring upon ourselves ruin and a sense of misery. Charles Spurgeon shared his perspective on these things when he said, whoever you are and whatever you build, it will be tried. Now, no matter how firm the rock is beneath you, the winds will blow, the rains will pour down on your building. Whether you're in a palace or in a, in a shovel, trial and testing will come to you. The question is, when these things happen, what, how will we hold up? Just like the house's foundation, which is not seen from the outside, Jesus talks about our hearts, where no one but the Father who is in heaven can see what's really going on inside them. I have the opportunity to work in several large companies across America over the course of my career with senior leaders who are very affluent. And what I've learned from them, when I see the trials, the trials that they come through in life, we can really see what their lives are built upon. They've each experienced brokenness of this world, and when they each do, the foundation in which they built their lives is exposed, be it rock or sand. Those that have built their lives on the foundation of Jesus stand firm. And then when other things happen to them, others are just kind of fall down within themselves. But fortunately, Jesus describes for us here a wise person as the one who hears these words and puts them into practice. The sense of putting into practice, Jesus describes here as a sense of doing something. is putting it into your regular life, through the daily choices and habits that you have. And he says anybody who does them is wise. Now, Peter was there. He was among those disciples at that time who heard Jesus' words. And later in his life, he wrote a letter. And in that letter, he said, in all these things referring to trials and hard times, greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, 
while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, will result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. So Peter understood that when our lives are founded on Jesus, we're going to be able to withstand these trials. But testing through rain, through fire, this testing process really proves out the genuineness of our faith. As we experience crisis, that's really what we see going on inside of our hearts. As Pastor Brian shared last week, crisis is what really reveals our character. And we're going to touch on that a little bit later when we look at some of the application. But now let's move back from these contrasting foundations of these homes to the consequences, and their consequences to verses 28 and 29, where we look at what Matthew describes as the teachings of Jesus versus the teachings of the teachers of the law and the effects that those teachers had on their respective hearers. These last verses start by saying, when Jesus had finished saying these things. So what are all these things? What is it that we've covered together through the course of the Sermon on the Mount? These were things that Jesus taught from the beginning, starting with the Beatitudes, then going from us being salt and light in the world, realizing that he came to fulfill the law. Jesus taught that things like adultery and murder are sins of our hearts, and they become sins of our flesh. Jesus taught us to honor the sanctity of marriage as something precious and binding. Jesus taught us to value, the, to value honesty and integrity to be a person of our word. Jesus taught us to be willing to turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, love our enemies, and bless those who persecute us. He taught us to do our good deeds for appropriate motives. He encouraged us to be humble in our prayer lives. He taught us to store up treasures in heaven instead of treasures on earth. He taught us not to worry, but instead to trust God, knowing he'll take care of us. Jesus taught us to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. He taught us to be humble, factual, and righteous in our judgment of others. He taught us to call upon him for our godly desires, and he'll fulfill them. As I mentioned earlier in this last session, Jesus taught us to enter through the narrow gate and trust only in him for salvation and not to get swayed by false teachers or false doctrine. And lastly, as we saw in our story today with these two houses, he taught us how it's more than just hearing his teaching, the importance of putting it into practice. It's a lot. As Pastor Brian has shared, that's just really the most amazing sermon that's out there. And so when they talk about when Jesus finished these, saying all these things, what was their response? Their response was that they were amazed. The sense of amazement, or rather utter amazement, was from hearing something so incredible, was that the sense they were left astonished and at a loss to even be able to think about what they just heard. They had heard something like they had never heard before. It left them with a lasting impression. Matthew, later in his gospel, would use this same phrase about amazement in Matthew 12, 33, where he says, when the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. It was hard not to hear Jesus and come away affected in some way. Have you ever heard about a person who looks at you and pierces you with their look? This was the sense, not just about piercing look, but these were piercing words that came from Jesus' mouth. They pierced someone's heart and penetrated their hearts in such a way that their hearts became renewed, the spirits of their mind became in a way that they'd never experienced before. Mark, in his gospel, describes this sense of being overwhelmed in amazement to refer to those things where Jesus actually took people who couldn't hear and now could hear and couldn't speak and now could speak. It was a transformational sense of amazement. Now, Jesus' teaching here and throughout his time on earth was one where Jesus was inviting all of us to be part of God's kingdom. Whereas the teachers of the law, their teaching was very different. People weren't amazed they really felt they fell short. They didn't feel worthy. They felt that they were being compared rather than encouraged. Jesus was inclusive and invited people in his teaching to bring their full selves to their Heavenly Father and experience the forgiveness and unconditional love he had to offer. Whereas these other teachers really allowed you to see where you just didn't quite measure up. 
we see that the ability and weight that Jesus exhibited in his teaching was so much more impressive and authoritative than they've ever experienced with the teachers of the law. It was a new time. It was some new words, and it was things that were making them come alive. So how does these things come alive in our lives? How do we apply these teachings of Jesus to everyday lives? Well, again, I want to go back to our few good dad jokes to help us get started. Two windmills are standing in a field, and one asks the other, what kind of music do you like? The other says, I'm a big metal fan. How do celebrities stay cool? They have many fans. Jesus' story here about the two houses is not just explaining to them what will happen to them in this life, but also what will happen in the end, the end of their lives. They either end up saved or not saved for eternity because of the foundation which they chose to build their lives. Our hope and prayer for you is that you will be saved, and you'll be a follower of Jesus, one who not just hears his word, but puts it into practice with your daily choices and the habits that you have. As Pastor Brian explained last week, there is a difference between a fan and a follower. A fan is someone who has a general openness to Jesus and the things that he taught, but when they're pressed by their family or friends, they will share it's not something that really affects them. They will ensure that they're not too serious about it. They keep it in moderation. They will tell you it's fine for you if you want to believe that, but just don't get too carried away with it. Being a follower, though, someone who in their daily life will take up their cross and follow him to the end. Our heart's desire is that God's Spirit will work in your eyes, open your spiritual eyes, Soften your heart that you will recognize that Jesus' teaching is real and can be a radical change of foundation in which you can build your life, or in this case, rebuild your life. You will abandon your old foundation, build your life on Jesus and what he's done for you. Build your life on what he's done for you by building it on the rock that he described earlier. And the Apostle Paul even mentioned this in his letter to the Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, when he says that Jesus Christ himself is the rock and describes him as the chief cornerstone in God's foundation for our lives. So for those of us who are followers of Jesus, how do we apply these teachings? Let us start again, I wanted by a few dad jokes, maybe to get us going. I thought about going on an all-almond diet, but that's just nuts. Why did the invisible man not put into practice Jesus' words? He couldn't see himself doing them. You may feel the same way about these teachings of Jesus. Some of these things that Jesus taught, especially in the Sermon on the Mount that we looked at over these past couple months, are just things that you just can't see yourself doing every day or making his habit into your life. In fact, you may think they're kind of nuts. These things like treating someone differently, this idea of hungering and thirsting for righteousness, this idea of being willing to turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, love our enemies, bless those who persecute us. That's just crazy. The Apostle Paul, though, encourages us in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, just then as you receive Christ, continue to live your lives in him, rooted. And that's the foundation we talked about. Build up in him. This is the house we build on. Strengthening your faith as you were taught. This is the standing firm in trials and overflowing with thankfulness. The Apostle Paul, Luke actually retold the same story that Jesus did in his gospel with the two houses and the two builders. He described the one who built the foundation on rock as one who dug down deeply and laid a foundation on rock that was well built. So some of you may be doing this in your own life so far, but some of you may have not. Maybe you haven't begun to dug down deeply with your understanding and following of Jesus' teaching and incorporated that in your daily choices and the habits that you have. I just want to encourage us with an old hymn that reminds us of this truth. It says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. 
When darkness veils its, its lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, we talked about those storms, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood supports me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul give way, he then is my hope and stay. On Christ's solid rock I stand, on all the ground, sinking sand. But why is it at times we don't wholly lean on him? It's helpful for us to stop and think about what are those things that keep us from not just hearing his words, but putting them into practice in our daily lives with our choices and our habits. Let me just give you another dad joke to maybe help us think about this. I wanted to go on a diet, but I feel like I have way too much on my plate right now. Rather than searching for the next thing to watch on Netflix to distract ourselves, let's spend some time searching our hearts for those things that we've been anchoring in our lives, which were not designed to support us, almost like that sand-based foundation. What is this pandemic exposed in our hearts about the foundations of things that we built? Have we taken the time to reflect of what's been exposed to our current circumstances? What has this shown me about the foundation in my life, my daily choices and my habits? Unfortunately for me, it has exposed some imbalances and vulnerabilities in my life, around my work, my home, and even my thoughts. Like me, we all need to realize at the core of who we are, we must be hungry in our lives for Jesus. That's where we really need to have our focus and our feast. Back to that diet analogy. John Piper says, The weakness of our hunger for God is not because he is not savory, but because we keep ourselves stuffed with other things. And fortunately, Jesus reminds us in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commands. Our putting the words of Jesus into practice flows from our love of him. It's not a compulsion. It's not something to appease him. So it should be our goal to grow in our love for Jesus by hearing his words and then allowing his words to be put into practice in our lives, our choices and our habits. The Apostle Paul had a powerful prayer that he prayed in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. He said, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, as Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted, there's that again of a foundation, established in love, may have power together with all Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that love surpasses knowledge that you may too be filled with the measure of fullness of God. So as God, is that our desire? So as the love of God, the love that we have for Jesus and all he did for us begins to permeate who we are, it'll affect the way we live our lives. But sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Sometimes we get overwhelmed by the things that we see, whether they be on the news, whether they be in our home, whether it be at our workplace. And it just becomes really challenging. So let me share another dad joke just to give some insights on this. Four-fifths of the people admit that they're bad with fractions, and they also find it challenging to put into practice Jesus' words. It is challenging to put Jesus' words into practice. We need to consider what we've seen in the results in our own lives and why we have chosen not to do it sometimes. How have things turned out for us when we went the other way? When we knew Jesus' words but we've intentionally chose not to practice them because they were hard. It'd be too hard, it felt like. How did that pan out for us? But I can tell you is we lack peace because we don't walk in his ways, and then we lack just any sort of, you know, we're easily swayed. And God's desire is that our result would be that peace in our hearts and a deepened faith in him. 
Now, putting them not into practice, as I said, can be easier. Just like building a foundation on sand is easier than building on rock. But in the end, it's almost like the calm before the storm, so to speak, and can lead to chaos, conflict, and broken relationships. And I think all of us have experienced those in some way, shape, or form. Again, for those of us who build our lives on the foundation of Jesus and what he's done for us, what is it that we can reflect on on these foundations? Because the picture of these two men deliberately selecting foundations, but it also contrasted carefully how they did this in a certain way. Neither of their choices were haphazard. The wise man was delivered with his choice of a foundation, and he did the diligence to invest time and effort to build something he thought would endure. There's, there was a sense of intentionality and process in play. The daily choices he made and the habits he made in scope. Let's look at our own lives right now. Specifically, I just want to ask a challenging question. When was the last time you deliberately changed something in your life based upon what you read in the words of Jesus and put that into your daily practice? A time that the Holy Spirit has shown you something in your life about which Jesus' words teach you that resulted in you doing something differently about it going forward. For example, when's the last time you didn't feel like forgiving somebody? But you did. We would call to mind what Jesus taught us earlier in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you give other people, when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others your sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I had the opportunity to experience this teaching yet again when my dad recently died. At that time, we were calling family and friends to let them know what had happened. As it is in many families, we have had the relationship with some family members that are broken and where there's a lot of hurt. As I've learned, hurt people hurt people. And no, that's not a dad joke, but a life reality. I first had to forgive some people in my family for the hurt they had caused my mom prior to calling them to inform them about my dad's passing. They were very hard conversations. But as I put Jesus' words into practice and did it in my daily choices, I experienced the peace and also the blessing that goes along with that. I experienced closeness with Jesus when I put them into practice. I experienced the strength of his foundation in my life as I did so in those hard circumstances. Jesus reminded us in verse 24 in our passage today, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Let me close with just some words of encouragement. When we do build our lives on Jesus and put his words into practice, we handle adversity differently. Why is that? Interestingly, the same idea that Jesus shared about these torrential waters and the way that it can have an adverse effect on a house built on the sand is the same waters that he's going to describe about himself. Let me share with you from John chapter 7, verses 37 through 38. It says, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and called out in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let, me come, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, streams of living water will flow within him. The same streams that we talked about, Jesus talked about earlier, that can wipe out a house are the same streams of power and peace that come out of us when we walk with him. We turn from being people who are overwhelmed by life to being people who are an outflow of encouragement to others. We have a hope to offer them because of the hope that we found ourselves in Jesus. In his first letter, 1 Peter 3.15, Peter says we are to, in our hearts, revere Christ as Lord, and we're always prepared, what? To give an answer to everyone who asks us for the reason of the hope that we have. I'm so glad we have hope in Jesus. I'm so glad he's my rock. I'm so glad he's our rock. Let us give to others what we have so graciously received from him by following him in our daily choices and our habits. 
Let me close with another old hymn that describes the life of a wise person who built their house on the foundation of Jesus. It's entitled, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. And it goes like this. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood, just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing, cleansing flood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. It continues, yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self-decease, just from Jesus, simply taking life and rest, joy and peace. It ends with, I'm so glad I learned to trust thee, precious Jesus, Savior friend, and I know that thou art with me will be with me till the end. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so amazed by you, not just by your words, but by your actions, the greatest love that you had for us by giving your life, by dying for ours on the cross. As we look to the teaching about that you shared with us today about foundations, help us not just to be amazed by you and your teachings, but to draw close to you and have you apply that teaching to our lives and our daily choices and in our habits. Help us to be put more of your teaching of our, into practice in our lives. We're so glad that as we do, we're rooted in you and be able to withstand the storms of life and we will continue to encounter. And thank you that we're so glad we're also to be able to have you with us now until the end. In your name, amen.